Hey, um, last week we started this series called uh, Little Things, Big Difference, and, and well, what we were saying was that so often we can come into a new year, and we can start a new year with like, man, this is a new year, fresh start, clean slate, and, and we make all these new year resolutions, and we make all these things, and we start off so well, but we get into it about two or three weeks, and it all becomes overwhelming and huge, and, and we kind of, you know, uh, pay for a gym membership, and we, and we go three times. In fact, um, I had a gym membership once, and, and I went into the gym and said to him, look, I, I've been a member of this gym for 12 months, and it hasn't worked for me, so I'm going to cancel my gym membership, and they told me that you actually have to turn up. I thought you just had to be a, a member, and it just, it just does it for you. And so we have all these big plans that we start off with, and we, and we quit because it becomes overwhelming and it becomes too big. I, I think the crazy thing about us having this plan that at the start of every year, we, we make these big life changes, is, a, is the reality is this, is that you can make a life change any day, any time of the year. It doesn't have to wait until a new year. And we start the new year with these big plans, but the reality is this, is that it's the little things that make the biggest difference. It's actually the small things that make the biggest difference that gets the results that everybody wants. It's not the big stuff. Big changes come from small. In fact, it's a kingdom principle all the way through Scripture. Jesus talks about having faith the size of a mustard seed. You can tell this mountain to move. If you are faithful in the small things, God will give you much. God is all about the little. Everything starts from a seed and grows into a plant or a tree or everything else. Even, even um, animals and human beings all start from a small seed, right? So God is big on the little stuff. And in fact, the Scripture says that, that God rejoices at the start of small beginnings, that God gets excited about the small stuff. We think God just gets excited about the big stuff, but God actually gets excited about the little things that we start with because he knows that small things always turn into big things because if we're faithful in the small things, then God will give us big things. And we, we talked about My 15, and if you haven't got one of these, you can grab one on the way out today. But My 15 is a challenge to all of us to do five minutes of prayer a day, five minutes of worship, and five minutes of God's Word. Fifteen minutes a day. If you do that every day for 365 days of this year, your life will dramatically change. Just by doing a small thing, your life will dramatically change. And so uh, I challenged you all last week, and, and I'm going to ask you this again. I challenged you all last week to go away and just get one word from God, one word from Him, and a verse that went along with it that you could hold on to for this whole entire year and just repeat it over and over again. I'm not going to embarrass everybody by asking who did that because statistics would tell me maybe 20% did. But I told you that my one was that God gave me the word small for 2024. I, I would have preferred dominate or champion or something really cool like that, but I got small. And my verse for this year is be faithful in the small things and God will give you much. And so I'm just so big on this this year that we are going to be faithful in the little stuff. It's the little things that matter, right? Why? Because thoughts turn to actions, actions turn to your destiny. And so what we think, the little things, the little thoughts. The Bible says this, it's the it's, it's a, it's a little yeast that gets through the whole dough, or it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little stuff that really, really matters. It's not the big things, it's the little things that nobody sees, 
that result in the big things that everybody wants. And our thoughts influence our words, our words influence our actions, our actions influence our habits, and our habits actually create our destiny. It creates what our life is like. And your thoughts are incredibly important because they will determine who you become. You've probably heard this scripture before if you've been in church long enough, but Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, what you believe about yourself, what you think about yourself is what you are. It'll be who you become. Why? Because your life always moves in the direction of your thoughts. Your life always moves in the directions of your thoughts. That's why sometimes when you're on the way home from work and you feel like that last conversation you had with your wife on the phone was a little bit funny and you start to invent in your head all these things that are probably wrong so that by the time you turn up home, you're ready to fight even though nothing is wrong but your thoughts have directed you into a position where you enter the house grumpy, you actually have a fight. Why? Because your thoughts took you there. You're all very quiet this morning. You know, my dad used to say this to me. He says, if you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think life is going to be bad, it probably will. If you think you have any, don't have anything to offer, you probably won't make a difference. And then he said this to me. He said, and if you think you can, you probably will. And if you believe that there are opportunities out there, you will see those opportunities And if you believe that God is for you and with you, you will sense his power and his presence because your thoughts matter. We're going to do a little thought audit this morning for you. Can we crank that up on the screen? That would be awesome. A little thought audit for you. How many people like to think about what you think about? I I think that's our biggest problem. We don't think about what we think about. Some people don't think before they open their mouths as well, right? A thought order. I want, to, I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about what we think about. Here's, here's a question. Are, are most of your thoughts focused on worry or are they peaceful? Like, like think about this week for you as you've gone about this week. During this week, have you, have you worried about your kids? Have you worried about your husband or your wife? Have you worried about your job? Have you worried about your finances? Have you worried about the health of somebody that you care about? Have you worried about your, your, your money because bills are due? Um, I don't know what it could be, but you found yourself this week just worried about things, or, or are you incredibly peaceful because you're just secure in the promises of God, and it's not that you're inactive and you're just sitting back and being a lazy Christian. You, you are actually being active, but you just trust that God's going to come through for you, and because you trust in that, you have this supernatural peace that goes beyond everybody's ability to understand about how you can be so peaceful in the middle of all of this stuff because you're just kind of bathed in this peaceful presence of God because you trust him to do the things that he says he's going to do. And even though something bad happens, it's not that you ignore it or put your head in the sand and pretend it hasn't happened, but you just kind of believe that God's still in charge and God's still in control and you can trust him and all things work together for good. Are you somebody who's mostly worried or are you somebody who's mostly peaceful? Or are you somebody who's mostly negative? Like I reckon some people have the spiritual gift of negativity, right? They can see things wrong before they even see it. Yeah? 
They can tell you all the reasons why it won't work before they even tried it. You can find out what's wrong before they see it. You're easily critical of people. You kind of assume the worst of things all the time. All the time. You kind of have been very discontented all of your life. And you know, you think, okay, I'd probably be happy if I was married. And then when you get married, you're like, no, no, that didn't work. I'll probably be happy when I have kids. And then you have kids, and then you think, I'll probably be happy if I had different kids. Not these ones, but somebody else's kids. And, And you just find yourself constantly more on the negative side of life, constantly seeing something negative. Or do you just believe the best about people? Like when you walk into church, do you see all the things that are working rather than all the things that aren't working? i got to be really careful with this um, as, as a pastor because I can go and visit a church and I can walk in and I'll go, oh, that's not good and that's not good and see all the wrong things instead of seeing all the things that are good. And no church is perfect, right? It stopped being perfect the minute you and I walk through the door. And so do you just see all the things that are wrong or can you see the things that are going right and what God is doing? And you're kind of like, wow, this is, this is really cool what's going on here. Or maybe you have a difficult day and you just believe that God's good and God's for you and he's going to work all things to bring about your good and you're just more on the positive side of life. Answer yourself honestly today and say, would you be more negative or more positive on the thought audit? Or are your thoughts mostly worldly or are they eternal? Do you find your thoughts are consumed with things of this life and not eternity? That you're thinking about what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, the clothes you wear, what are people going to think about me, say about me? Are they going to make comments about the car that I drive, the house that I live in? Do they like me? Do you find yourself thinking about not bad things, but just thinking more worldly versus than eternal things? Or... Are your thoughts more about how can God use my life to bring glory to himself? Do you think about people that are maybe far from God and your heart aches for them? And you think, what can I do to help show them the love of God? You may have some things and there's nothing wrong with that, but do you think, how can I leverage the things that God has given me, the house, the car, all these things that God has given me, to make a difference in someone's life and to impact people with the love of God. Are your thoughts more worldly or are they eternal? Are your thoughts more negative or are they positive? Are your thoughts more worried or are they peaceful? Because our life moves in the directions of our strongest thoughts. And as a person, the Bible says, thinks in his heart, so they become. Your life will move in the directions of your strongest thoughts. Are you hearing me? You see, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Because the Bible says that perfect love drives out all fear. Fear is the enemy to love. And fear is false evidence appearing real. It's when you think something's going to happen even though nothing has happened. And you start thinking, this is not going to work out. This is not going to be good. This is not going to... And then all of a sudden, it's not good and it doesn't work out. Why? Because your life moves in the directions of your strongest thoughts. 
And if you become consumed with worldly thoughts and worried thoughts and negative thoughts, then that means, it means that that's the direction that you're moving in. But if your life, on the other hand, is consumed with peaceful thoughts, positive thoughts, and eternal thoughts, that means that you're moving in a direction of that. But let's be honest here just for a moment. There's not a single person in this room, including myself, that got 10, 10, and 10 in our thought order. Yes? I can tell you, I'm not 10, 10, 10. I don't even think I'm 9, 9, 9. I might be about 5, 5, 5. I don't know. And it's really because the culture we live in, the world we live in, drives us towards the wrong side of that scale. That's why, if you still watch the news, don't. If you still read the newspaper, don't. Because it's all negative, it's all worry, it's all worldly, and you'll be depressed. Best thing I ever did was stop watching the news. My life has changed. I'm more positive, I'm more believing for the future. And whatever you do, don't look at X or what used to be Twitter. That's even worse. Okay, just look at me then. But the world tells us this, or society tells us this, or the culture of the day tells us this. There are so many things to worry about. It cries out, there's so much stuff to worry about. You're going to be worried about this, you're going to be worried about that. You're going to be negative about this. Think about what um, doesn't last instead of what does last. See, eternal things last forever. Things of this world disappear, but the things of God are lasting forever, right? Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will become your greatest thoughts. It's clear in Scripture. You renew yourself by the changing of your thinking. God saves you from your sin. The Bible says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you are renewed by the changing of your thinking, by getting God's thoughts in your head instead of your thoughts, by getting his thoughts in your head instead of the culture's thoughts. And so, so you will move in the direction of your thoughts. Your thoughts will determine how your life goes. And so you're like, Craig, how, how do I change my thoughts? I'm glad you asked. First thing you've got to do is we've got to capture our destructive thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. The Greek word there for power is the word dunamis. It's the same word that was used on the day of Pentecost where tongues of fire came upon all the people waiting in the upper room. It's where we get the, it's a Greek word called dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. In other words, the, the power that God gives us 
is dynamite to destructive thoughts. That, that when we start to function the way that God asks us to, we start to think his thoughts and, and, and not our own thoughts, then it's like dynamite in the middle and it blows up the destructive thought patterns of what the enemy has tried to put into us. And the Greek word for strongholds, I can't pronounce the Greek word, but I'll tell you what it means. It means the prisoner locked by deception. Stronghold means a prisoner locked by deception. It's when you're locked up with your wrong thoughts and wrong beliefs and wrong false thoughts about who you are, who God created you to be. And God says that I have given you this dynamite to put in the middle of those strongholds and blow them to pieces, to destroy them by renewing your mind, by changing the way that you think, by shifting to what the Word says rather than what the world says. And the reason why this is such a stronghold for us is because Satan in Scripture is called the father of lies. In fact, the Bible says this, that it's his native language. Like if you go to Korea, they speak Korean. If you go to Satan, he speaks lies. That's his native language. It's not something he does. It's all he does. He can't speak any other language. He can't communicate any other way, but just lies after lies after lies. And we see that from the book of Genesis all the way through to the very end. It's just lies and lies and lies and lies and lies. And he will constantly try to convince you that the things that aren't true are true about you. And he'll try and interrupt your thought process so that we build our lives on a lie that he's implanted in us rather than the truth that God has given to us. And the reason why he knows that lies are so important to get implanted into our thought processes is because he knows the scripture says that you shall know the truth that is Jesus. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not something he does. It's who he is. Truth is his native language. And the Bible says this, that you shall know the truth and the truth, Jesus, will what? Will set you free. And so he knows that he's got to do everything he can to make sure that you don't know the truth about who you are, who Christ is, who God created you to be, because if you believe the truth, you'll be free from all of the lies that he's trying to plant in your process. Oh, my, my, marriage, my marriage doesn't work, it doesn't work. No, no, no. No, the Bible says this, that God created marriage, and, and marriage is a great thing, it's an amazing thing, and if God created it, God will sustain it. So you need to shut down the lies about what the enemy is telling you and start to search out the scriptures of the truth that God says about marriage because you can all have an incredible marriage. If, if we'll allow the dynamite of the Spirit of God to explode in the strongholds of our thinking. We demolish the lies and we take them captive every thought and we make them obedient to Christ. I think what some of us do is we go, oh, that's a negative thought, and that's all we do. You, you need to capture it. When you capture an enemy, what do you do? You tie it up? Yes? I don't know, maybe you've not captured many enemies lately. Um, if I go back to my, my uh, SAS days, <laughs> I'm just joking, I was never in the army. Um, but, but what they do is when they... When they capture the enemy, they capture that enemy, they tie it up, they put it in a room, and what do they do? They interrogate it to try and find out what's going on 
And they know, if you watch SAS Australia, anybody watch SAS Australia? Where they take celebrities through the SAS course, and all these celebrities think they're awesome, and these SAS guys reduce them to nothing? I love it. And, and they have this moment where they just get in there, and they're, and they're interrogating them, and they've given them a false story to communicate, but every single time they break down and they end up telling the truth. Why? Because they've learned interrogation tactics to get through the lies and get to the truth of what the person is saying. And God has given us an ability through his word to get, as an interrogation tactic, to get through the lies that we believe and get to the truth about who we are. And it's no point just capturing it. You need to interrogate it. Find out where that came from. Find out, why do I believe that about myself. When did that first happen to me? You know, I had an incident just a wee while ago where, where I had some prayer ministry for Elijah House, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, you should do it. It's really, really important. And, and, uh, and when, I was, when I was conceived, my parents didn't plan me. They didn't plan for me to be born. I don't know why, because out of all my siblings, I'm the best one. I tell them all the time, because I have this revelation now, but I didn't when I was younger, I tell them all the time, mum and dad planned you, but God planned me, so. But when mum and dad first found out that I was going to come along, that they, they were pretty devastated because they hadn't planned for that. And my mum was really upset, cried for a couple of weeks. And then she realized, because my parents pastored for 45 years, they realized, whoa, We've just created a problem here because we've just rejected this child in the womb and we need to pray and break that rejection off. And, and, and so they prayed over me while I was in the womb and they broke all the... Re- and I never grew up thinking that my parents... In fact, my siblings will tell you that I was spoiled and I was the favourite. Um, it's just because I was the best. Um, and if they're listening to this on the podcast, you know it because my dad said on his deathbed that I was amazing and incredible. But it wasn't until recently, I've, I've always had this thing where I, I, I really struggle when, when I think people don't like me. Now, pastor in a church, it's not a good insecurity to have because lots of people don't like you. It's just the truth. And so then I can compromise on what I believe or what I think that God wants me to do because I want to appease people. And that's just not a good place to be either, Right? And so I'm sitting there, I'm having this prayer ministry, and I'm like praying, and, and Holy Spirit, show me where I first started feeling this way, and God took me straight back and said I was in the womb, and I'm like, well, that can't be right, because my parents prayed and broke that, right? The problem is I hadn't forgiven them for initially rejecting me. And so once I forgave them of that initial rejection and did my part that I needed to do, because the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I got the truth back into my life now, I'm really relaxed about people now. And I know I'm accepted and I know I'm okay. And every time the enemy comes along and goes, oh, those people don't like you. I said, that's okay. Not everybody has to like me. I don't like everybody either. I like everybody in this room, (laughs) just to be clear. And if you're watching online, I like you too. (laughs) But I don't like everybody. And that's okay. And it's okay if people don't like me. But I had to get that truth in there. Are you hearing me today? I'm way off track. 
We take captive every thought, we make it obedient. So when we think things like, I can't make a difference, I'm no good, I'm a screw-up, I'll never amount to anything, we take those thoughts captive and we're going to make them obedient to Christ. Whenever your mind says you're a screw-up, God can never use you, you're in trouble, actually, your response should be this. I may have messed up, but the good news is, is God forgives me for all of my sins, and my God can take all those things and work them together for my good to bring about his purposes and his plan and his life to those who love him and accord according to his purpose. God is going to use this mess up to conform me to the image of his son and become a witness as a woman in the well experience, hiding away at the well when everybody else was back in town because of her story. But who did God use the story of to bring about the whole entire village to Christ? It was her story. God can take your story and transform it and conform it to his spirit of his son Christ and take it from being a mess up to being a miracle in the middle of a mess that leads people to Christ. That's the way God works. I can never overcome this. I've been addicted to this for so long and I've tried and I've prayed and I can never do it. No, 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 no. Truth is I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Come on. You've got to get the truth in there. We take the thoughts that are untrue, we capture them, and we make them obedient to Christ. We capture destructive thoughts, and we make them obedient to Christ. And when we do that, when we insert the truth of his word, an explosion takes place spiritually in that stronghold and destroys it. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to fix our thoughts on spiritual things. We should focus on the internal rather than focus on the spiritual things. Philippians 4, 8 to 9, it's a scripture that we've probably heard plenty of times if you've been in church long enough. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And what does it say? Then the peace of God will be with you then the peace of God will be with you. Why? Because your life moves in the directions of your thoughts. And if you're thinking on what is true and excellent and praiseworthy, your life will move in the directions of the peace of God. If you don't have peace, you want to think about what you're thinking about because you've got to fix our thoughts. I love this. Fix your thoughts. We focus our thoughts on spiritual things, because spiritual things is what matters more than anything else. Jesus said this, he said, do not build up for yourself things here on earth, or store up for yourself things here on earth, but store up for yourself things that are in heaven. In other words, he's saying, don't worry about all the stuff down here. Store up things in your life that builds into eternity, so with, with some of the adults that helped out this week at summer camp, with Tamar and Andrea and Kara and Rima and Anna and the different ones that came out and helped, what they did this week was a whole lot of natural stuff, but it's actually eternal what they did because they invested into the lives of your kids, of your young people, so that they could have a connection with God and an encounter with God lasts for eternity, not just for the here and now. And so they might have been cooking chicken breasts and this beautiful sauce and probably the best roast potatoes I've ever had in my life. But it's not potatoes and chicken. It's eternally built stuff. 
And we need to focus on the internal because our life here, the Bible says this, it's like a vapor. It's like this short. And eternity is like for eternity, right? But the crazy thing is, is what we do in this short vapor dictates our eternity. And I'm not against you having a nice house and I'm not against you having a nice car. I like all those things too. I'm not against you traveling. I love traveling and visiting different countries. And and I don't think God's against any of that. But you've got to remember this. Your car, your travel, all that stuff. It's just wood, hail, and stubble. And the Bible says at the end of our lives, that will all be burnt off. And what will remain will be precious stones. And precious stones in Scripture speaks of people and relationships. That's what matters. Yeah? Are you with me? You are one thought away from having your life totally and completely changed when you stop believing the lives of the evil one and embrace the truth of our good, good God. Because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So fix your mind on spiritual things. Well, Craig, I don't really know how to do that. Like, I'm not like you. Um, I'm not a pastor. Neither am I half the time. I'd say this. You can see God working if you're looking for it. Because you will find what you're looking for. This is not a U2 song. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. You can find what you're looking for. Let me give you, it's not a great example, but it's an example, so give me a break. Take the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. A vulture flies around looking for what? Dead things. A vulture flies around looking for dead things. What does a vulture find? Dead things. You guys are amazing. A hummingbird flies around looking for what? Nectar. There's some top people over here. And when he flies around looking for nectar, what does he find? Nectar, which is what? Sweet things. One flies around looking for dead things and finds dead things. One flies around looking for sweet things and finds sweet things. And every day there are dead things to be found and sweet things to be found, but you will find what you're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for. If you're Hello, flat batteries. If you look for spiritual things, you'll find spiritual things because it's just like when you get something new. You know, when you buy that new car and then you just see that same model car everywhere you go. Yeah? You've never seen it before in your life, but now all of a sudden it's like one in every four cars is your car. Right? And then when you go to a parking lot and you park your car and you come out from shopping, you can't find your car because it looks like everybody else's car. And then what you do is you hop into somebody's car who's not your car. Hey, darling, on three occasions. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting there waiting for somebody and someone you don't know hops into your car and they go, oh, you're not my mum, and then hops out of your car. It's like, woo, it's awesome. Sorry, I had to throw her under the bus. If you look for spiritual things, you will see them everywhere if you're looking for them. 
So how do you do that? How do you, how do you look for spiritual things? Well, I think you've got to set your day up for looking for spiritual things and set the tone of the day with spiritual things. And so every day when you wake up, instead of picking up your phone and checking Facebook or Instagram, open up your version Bible app. And the first thing that you want to do is read God's Word and set your day up for spiritual things. Just read a chapter and let your mind start to drift towards spiritual things and then say a prayer. Doesn't have to be long, just five minutes. Five minutes. Uh, or a two-minute prayer, and that prayer could say something like this, all right? It should come up on the screen. God, thank you for this day. I know it's a gift from you. My gift is to give it back to you. Use me wherever you want. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit. God, let me see where you're working. Guide my words. Guard my thoughts. Create my actions to bring glory to you. God, I give you permission to interrupt me all through the day. Help me see where you are working and I will join you. I'm telling you, if you start praying that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to see nectar everywhere you look. You're going to start to see the spiritual things of God, the good things of God. You're going to start seeing God working everywhere. Why? Because that's what you're working towards. Your thoughts are leading towards that. On your way to work or at the gym, don't listen to regular music. Put on some worship music or put on some praise or listen to a podcast message. It's really going to speak into you. Why? Because that's renewing your mind. That's putting things spiritual first. And then, and then when you start doing that, when you start listening to worship, start listening to messages, and you start doing that over everything else, then what happens is really, really, when something really, really good happens, you give God credit for it instead of just going, oh, that's nice. No, 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 we turn around and say, hey, God, thank you. That was such a blessing. That discount that you gave me on the washing machine, wow, thank you, God, that you blessed me like that. And we constantly give him credit where credit is due. And, and God, you're so good. I can't believe you blessed me this way. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to see God working everywhere. You go to work and your boss chews you out. And instead of wanting to flip your boss off, you're going to turn around and go, whoa, I wonder what's going on for him. I wonder what they're going through right now. I wonder, God, could I make a difference in their lives? And suddenly you're going to go from being someone that, that is angry with your boss to being somebody who sees a need in your boss's life. And rather than saying, I don't have time for this, you're going to say, God, maybe you're calling me to make a difference in their life. And rather than reacting to being grilled by your boss, you're going to respond out of a heart of, hey, I'm here for you. And then when God uses you, the spiritual forward momentum makes you more sensitive to where he wants you to be used next. And suddenly, all of a sudden, you have the power. Why? Because when your mind says something that's untrue, you're going to focus on what is true, and it's going to transform your life. Why? Because as a person thinks, so he becomes. Therefore, I'm going to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, and I'm going to fix my thoughts on things that are pure and lovely and admirable I'm going to fix my thoughts on anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, and I'm going to think about these things. Zoe, can you come and jump on the keys, please? So here's the big question, right? How do you take this from something you've heard and actually make it part of your life? 
Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in church my whole entire life. Whole entire life. Even when I was little, I just slept under the pews. My whole life, I've heard 51 years of messages, morning and night. I've been preached to by my parents all the way through my upbringing. My kids don't like it because I do it to them too. So how do we take this from just something that we heard and then actually to something that becomes part of who you are? Well, last week, I asked you to go away and pray and ask God for a word, a word for you this year. Mine was small. I don't know what yours might be. And I asked you to find a scripture that would support the word that God gave you so that you could repeat it over and over again throughout the year. Why? Because little things make a big difference. Well, this week, your homework is this. I don't want you to go away and get a word. I want you to go away and get a thought. One thought. God, give me a thought for this year. A thought about who I am. A thought about what you want me to do. Whatever it is, just give me a thought. One small thought that could result in a bigger change than you could ever imagine. One thought that you will think again and again and again until your mind is renewed, until your thinking is changed. And that thought becomes truth in your heart. It changes the words that you speak about yourself and the way that you live. Because if you want to change your life, you have to change how you think. Our thoughts create words, words create actions, actions create habits, and habits create your world. Habits create your destiny. Habits create your future. As a person thinks in his heart, so they become, right? Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so today when you leave, there's gonna be ushers on the door and they're gonna give you one of these that you can take home. I call it shout out. It's my shout out every morning to God. And you can put it on your fridge or you can put it on your mirror in your bedroom or behind on the back door of your toilet, wherever you're gonna see it. And I want you every day to speak this over your life. And it's just everything that I've said recently. God, I thank you for this day. I know it's a gift from you. And in there it says this, it says, therefore, we will not copy the customs of this world, but we will let God transform us by changing the way we think. Then we will know God's will for us, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will, because we do not fight with weapons of this world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because we fix our thoughts on which is pure and admirable. And if there is anything excellent or worthy of praise, we will think about such things. And then the peace of God will be with us because as He thinks in His heart, so He is. It is the small things that nobody sees that gets the biggest results that everybody wants. And if you do that every single day, you read through this every single day this year. If you do my 15 every single day this year, I want to tell you the small things will lead to a big, big difference in your life by the end of this year. Because God's all about the little. And therefore we will think on what is true and we will capture that which is trash. And we will let our thoughts bring glory to God because when we think on the truth, we know the truth sets us free. Here's the thing. 
I've known this my whole entire life, but I haven't necessarily implemented it every single day of my life. I don't want you to beat yourself up and think you've got to be the super positive person all the time. There's reality, right? You know, you can't bury your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. But you don't have to be negative about it. You can get into God's Word. You see, the the doctor's report might say cancer, but God's Word says, by His stripes I'm healed. And so we focus on by His stripes I'm healed, not the doctor's report. Why? Because the Word is truth and the truth sets you free. Now, I don't know why some people get healed and some people don't. That's God's problem. It's not my problem. But I know this. I know we're meant to believe for it. I know we need to speak the truth over our lives. And you might start off initially and it may not feel like it's real and it may not feel like you even believe what you're saying about yourself. That's okay too. Because he doesn't say that you will, if you really, really believe this in your heart, then it will happen. No, no, it says if you confess, your confession is so important. The Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's God's words. It's not who's saying it, it's whose words they are that gives it weight and gives it power. Why don't we just all close our eyes just for a moment. And I want to ask you today, maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I, if I'm really honest, my, my thought audit isn't too cool at the moment, but I want to be somebody that sees God's hand all the time. I want to be somebody who, who sees the goodness of God and the great. I want to be somebody who's more positive than negative. I want to be somebody who's more peaceful than worried. I want to be somebody who thinks more eternally than worldly. I want to be somebody that experiences that peace of God. And I know I'm not always going to get it right every day, but I'm going to start to make little changes because I want to see a big difference in my life. If you're here today while nobody's looking around and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that, that I'll be able to start this journey with God, that I'll be able to do these little things, that I'll be able to do the shout out and do the My 15 and just do these little changes every day so that I can see a big difference in my life. If you're here today and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that God would help me do that? I want to. I'm not always going to get it right, but... You know, the Bible says this, he who pursues life or he who pursues God finds life, love, and prosperity. It's the pursuit of it. It's not about the perfection of it, right? And so your intention here right now is like, man, I want to be somebody that pursues that, that pursues right thinking, that pursues all of that. Would you pray for me that God would help me do that? If that's you, why don't you lift your hand right now? And when I see it, I ask you to put it down across this place, every single person. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put your hand down now. Why don't we stand to our feet? Father, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come. We thank you that in this place that every single person is loved by God that your whole entire heart is towards them, that you're not against them, but you are for them and that you are with them. I pray right now for every single person, I come against every lie 
and every stronghold right now that would be in their mind. Every single lie of the enemy, we break off every single lie right now in Jesus' name. Father, we break every single stronghold right now. And what we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and reveal your truth to them right now about who they are as they, as they start on this journey this week in your word that they would get truth after truth after truth. And those truth would become strongholds for them. Not the lies, but the truth would become strongholds that repels every single lie of the enemy. And so we just break off the work of the enemy on people's lives right now. We break off every lie from their childhood, every lie from their prison, every lie that was spoken over them in the womb. We break every single one of them off their lives right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that You'd come and fill that space with Your truth, Your power, and Your presence. And that as they read Your Word, as they pray, maybe as they listen to worship in the car on the way to work this week, God, that You would speak boldly to them that they would hear your voice. I break off spiritual deafness of people's lives right now. We set them free to hear you. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. We break off spiritual deafness right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shout out on the way out. And on my 15, if you need to.